This is an AMI podcast. I'm Juita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. We are the stories we tell. The news is how we know ourselves and the world around us. And so much of what is considered newsworthy is shaped by identity. Marginalized communities have traditionally been underrepresented in the news media as journalists, reporters, editors, and producers. All that is slowly but surely changing as the industry grapples with changing demographics. Part of that change involves asking tough questions about who is in our newsrooms and at story meetings, whose stories are given space. People from marginalized communities have important contributions to make to public discourse and to the news as we read, hear, and experience it. Today, we talk about making journalism inclusive. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. And welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. My name is Joita Gupta. It's really good to be with you today. And we're talking about making journalism inclusive because one of the themes we've touched on previously on this program is the important role that journalists have played during the pandemic. And so there is always a need, but perhaps more so a sense of urgency now that as journalists and reporters and the people who cover the news, we think about covering that news from every possible angle and every possible point of view. It's a story that I take some amount of pride in and interest in as a journalist with a disability, but I think it's a story that impacts all of us, even if we don't self-identify as journalists. There's a really important initiative that's part of that, of that broader conversation about making journalism inclusive. That would be the Walrus and TD Fellowship for Disability Inclusion. The fellowship is a really good opportunity for an aspiring journalist with a disability to learn the ropes, as it were. And in the second half of the program, we'll meet Amy Lowe, who was the 2020 fellow at the Walrus, and find out about Amy's experience. But first, we're speaking now to Jennifer Hallett, who's the executive director of the Walrus, and she's joining us today from Toronto. Jennifer, thank you very much for being on the program and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Jennifer, tell us a little bit about the fellowship that the Walrus offers. I think it's now in its second or third year. What's uh, What's the motivation behind offering this opportunity? Sure. So I'll give you a little bit of history because I'm pretty new to the walrus. I joined as an executive director last April in the middle of the new pandemic. (laughs) Uh, So jumped right in and um, it was really exciting to learn about all the partnerships and work that the walrus was doing. And that includes the work that we're doing with TD Bank Group. So we've worked with TD since 2007 and in 2018, TD became the Walrus's National Inclusion Partner. And it is this work that powers the TD Fellowship on Disability Inclusion. And as you mentioned, this is the third fellowship we're offering right now like this. Uh, Also, that partnership involves the Walrus Talks inclusion events. Now we're doing the Walrus Talks at home. But these have taken place across the country and now because of our online events around the world. And the goal is to raise awareness about disability and truly generate a conversation that's focused on solutions on the 
social and economic inclusion of people with disabilities. So the fellowship in particular serves three purposes. One, it strengthens the capacity of our organization for the walrus to be more inclusive. Two, it also benefits our audience because it exposes our audience to more critical content related to disability and inclusion. And three, hopefully it removes barriers for a writer or a storyteller or producer with a disability to working in the media and gaining more media experience. If someone wanted to apply for this fellowship, uh, what kind of prior experience do they need to have? What sort of a resume do they need to have? What What is it that you're looking for in a prospective candidate? So this fellowship is a senior position. It's open to applicants who identify as a person with a disability. We're looking for a bachelor's degree or equivalent. So it could be a college degree or just even experience uh, in, in work and life. And we're also looking for three to five years experience in event management and or content creation, production work or marketing and in media. I will say I have seen throughout my career that often women and other marginalized genders, racialized people, uh, people who live with disabilities tend to underestimate and undervalue their work. So don't be intimidated mm-hmm. by the posting. If this sounds like you, please consider applying for this role. Exactly. You've got nothing to lose, right? I mean, if you don't apply, you may not, you'll may you never get the job. That's what they say. Uh, tell me a little bit about the deadline. I know it's coming up. It's pretty close. Uh, so when is the deadline and what do you have to put in as part of a successful application? Yes. So uh, actually, the deadline was going to be on Sunday, but we have extended it. We're really excited about this interview opportunity. So the deadline is Wednesday, March 31st, end of day, 1159 Eastern Time. And uh, basically, if you're going to be applying, go to the walrus.ca slash careers and um, you'll see the details in terms of uh, what we're looking for. Uh, I've kind of given some, some highlights, but there's more on compensation and benefits and what the role includes, but put together a cover letter. And a cover letter is a great place to share your story. Uh, we'll need a resume and one letter of reference. And the details on, on where to email that are at thewalrus.ca slash careers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as we think about applying for this position, give us a sense of what the next year might look like for the fellow. It's been, uh, 2020 was an unusual year. 2021 is shaping up to be equally unusual. Um, how is the fellowship going to probably shape up in, in the year to come? Yeah, that question is right on point. Because traditionally, this fellowship started out in editorial and we offer other fellowships that are based in fact-checking and and writing. But we have really grown, especially over the last year, in regards to the work that we're doing online. So we've moved our in-person events online. We're doing more and more storytelling in digital. That includes web. That includes podcasting. So the the fellow uh, should expect to be doing online event work, uh, digital producing, some project management, Uh, There's an opportunity to network and to build a network because of the outreach required in the production, be it for the podcast or booking speakers for the Walrus Talks. And to me, the most exciting part of the work that we do at the Walrus, and this extends to the fellow, is that we are a registered charity, which is pretty unique in the Canadian media landscape, and we have an educational mandate. So ultimately, the work that we're doing, it is to 
educate the public. It's to inform citizens. And it's to really be in Canada's conversation. So it's a great opportunity to really make sure that inclusion and disability and accessibility are part of what Canadians are talking about day to day. You know, uh, you mentioned previously that there are barriers faced by journalists and reporters and others with disabilities as they try to work in this industry. And often I'm tempted to ask people with disabilities themselves about what those barriers are. But I would love to hear from you as someone who's now part of the Walrus team and as someone who's sort of seen this, this project in motion, what your sense of the barriers are for people with disabilities and how this fellowship might go about addressing those barriers, not just on the level of an individual applicant, but having a bigger ripple effect within the organization. This fellowship, the work of uh, Amy, who you're going to be speaking to in low and uh, the partnership with TD has really ensured that this is a priority issue for not just the walrus, but also for all of us who work at the walrus. So I've really appreciated the opportunity to learn more about uh, disability, how that it connects to inclusion, but also like to think about it in every aspect of my life. And I found that issues of disability and accessibility are often overlooked even though there's so much focus right now in 2021 on equity, diversity, and inclusion. Uh, But there's an intersectionality there. And there are so many systemic barriers at play when it comes to accessibility and people who are living with disabilities. For example, how cities are built. And for me, when I first experienced that was when my mom was in a very big accident and was in a wheelchair. And that was the first time, really firsthand, right? I I saw how difficult it was to navigate uh, a city. Uh, We also have members of our extended family who are blind and reflecting on this, I've always found exposure and education around issues of disability are a big part of creating change. So that's where the media comes in. And we really, you know, appreciate having a partner who's investing in this work, but also investing in us, uh, because there is an opportunity for the walrus to build connections, to create conversation, and to cover these issues in a way that it opens people's eyes and and understandings and makes it a, a policy priority, because it is such a large issue, but we all play a part in that systemic change. You know, you talked about needing to fact check and making that a big part of the educational component. Uh, when you think about the experience, the lived experience of living of a disability, um, there's, there are facts, uh, but there's also so much more. So how do you bridge the gap, the narrative gap between the personal uh, story of a, a person with lived experience of a disability and having a larger public conversation that is nevertheless factual and broad based? That's some of the education that the fellows have done with the Walrus team, uh, both Amy and Sarah Trick, who is the fellow uh, previous to uh, Amy working at the Walrus. So there's you know, a lot of work and education for those of us who are working in the media in terms of how we do our work as, as journalists, as editors, as fact checkers, the words that we use, uh, how we approach these topics. Uh, But especially with the work that we've done with the Walrus Talks, now the Walrus Talks at Home on Disability Inclusion, you have to show the great diversity and perspectives, plural, 
of the community of people who I uh, identify with a disability or in, or whether it's visible or invisible. And that's what I really enjoyed as someone who's gotten to host and introduce the discussions at the talks is you could have two people, both who are committed to this work, with totally different points of view, right? And that helps us mm-hmm. get closer to where the work is uh, and understanding how complicated and nuanced these issues are, just like any other issue. But I think there are a lot of people who can be involved in these conversations and work, and they're not really sure where to start, or they're scared of saying the wrong thing, or, you know, they, they, they just are focusing on, on something else. So being in, in dialogue and having the talks and conversations led by people who do identify with a disability uh, that has really helped me, and I think everyone at the Walrus and our audience has really benefited from those open and, and frank conversations. And it is that mix, like you said. You know, there's the expertise uh, in terms of some people are academics. It's the professional work. It's respecting the the lived experience, uh, but it's it's also pushing everyone further, right? And, and challenging some of of, of these ideas that uh, are currently being debated. My name is Juwita Gupta. Today, we're talking about the TD Walrus Disability Inclusion Fellowship Program. Earlier in the conversation, you heard from Jennifer Hollett, who is the executive director of the Walrus, and she talked to you about how to get your application in if you'd like to put in an application and why the fellowship is important for aspiring journalists with disabilities. Now, let's bring in our second guest. Amy Lowe was the 2020 TD Fellow on Disability and Inclusion at Walrus Magazine. Her writing has been featured in a number of Canadian publications, and she contributed at the Walrus Talks in 2017. Today, she joins us from Montreal. Hi, welcome to The Pulse. It's really good to have you on the program. Hi, Joisa. Thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit about why last year you made the decision to apply for the Walrus Fellowship. Sure. Um, Well, as you mentioned, I had been a walrus talker in 2017 and um and they invited me again in 2019 actually and I found it was always a really great experience and I really liked the environment and of course it's a really reputable um platform and website and and magazine and so I I jumped at the chance to um, to contribute in this way and to have such a positive learning experience from it too. You know, a lot of people that I've talked to in the journalism business say that it's so important to bring in that disability lens and cover issues from the point of view of people with disabilities. That's not even like a fringe point of view anymore. I am so interested to know what your take on this is as a journalist with a disability what is the value of that perspective to the stories that we cover and the news that we relate to the public? Well, yeah, I think it is uh, significant. I'm reading Dorothy Palmer's book called Falling for Myself right now, and she outlines it so well. It's 20% at least of people in Canada have some sort of disability and that number is rising. So that's one out of every five people has some sort of disability. And if they don't, they have a relationship with someone who does. And so it's just an untapped source of stories. 
and information and knowledge that I'm, I'm really excited to um, bring to whatever work that I, I do in, in different ways. So whether that's um, amplifying other writers or other journalists or just simply covering those issues when, when appropriate, it's, it's a really awesome time to be doing that. Do you think that there's the, the, the learning happens in both directions? Do you think that when people with disabilities go into newsrooms or they work at magazines or they contribute to the CBC or to other platforms, does it invite those institutions that have been around for a long time to look at their processes, their systems, and to see how they can make space and be inclusive of people with disabilities so that if you're the first, you're not the last, and that more people can come in after you? I believe so, for sure, yeah. So tell me a little bit about the fellowship. In what way does the Walrus Fellowship open up some opportunities for people with disabilities at the Walrus? Um, you know, what In what ways did you sort of have a conversation uh, in your time with the Walrus about how to make the space more welcoming to and inclusive for people with disabilities? Um, the fellowship that I did, so it was the, the second time that they did the fellowship on disability and inclusion. And so this time around, when I did it in 2020, they were looking for um, a combination of editorial and also um, accessibility work as part of the job. Mm -hmm. So I, I was able to deliver a training on accessible and disability language um, and present different perspectives on um, covering disability in that training. And I also had the opportunity to host um, a few Q&A sessions for digital events that they hosted um mm. and so that was a really great opportunity because it kind of reignited my love of hosting and and um facilitating conversations so those were just some of the the activities that kind of bridged journalism and also um attention to accessibility within the same events so it was a really mm -hmm. positive experience I'd say, you know, when I think back to 2020, it was such an unusual year because of the pandemic. Did the pandemic in any way change how you did your job at the Walrus and how they put out their content? What was the impact of the pandemic on your work? It's funny because at once it was everywhere and at the mm -hmm. same time, work just continued on. Um, and I, in no way is that unique to my position or or the walrus i mean i know everybody's just been doing what they have to do during the pandemic but a few things were really well done and that was we had a weekly chat between the different fellows that were um, working at the walrus at the time so that was a really nice way to connect even despite the fact that we weren't in the same location Mm -hmm. And so did you feel as you sort of embarked on your journey at the Walrus, and they do such excellent coverage, but did you ever feel like, you know, with the pandemic, there was an increased sense of urgency to talk about disability? Because 
it really felt like disability was proving to be a bit of an afterthought in the response to the pandemic. So did that serve as an impetus for you as a journalist to really put your finger on the pulse of disability issues, given that we were in the middle of a pandemic and still are? Yes, well, one of the the positives about the walrus and the coverage that they do is that it's it's in-depth analysis. Mm -hmm. So while things were speeding past us and we were getting numbers every day, you know, increases, decreases, it's the type of work that I was able to do kind of allowed me to, to take a bit of a move back and say, what are some of the the ways that I can intervene in a meaningful way that will bring other perspectives to the conversation. You know, uh, when we undertake a journey, like the kind of a journey that you've undertaken, whether it's a fellowship, whether it's an internship, there's an, an or even a job, really, there's an expectation of some amount of personal growth that you wouldn't necessarily be the same Amy that you were when you started. So tell me yeah, a little bit about sure. what your what your learning has been as part of the fellowship. Like how in what way have you grown as a journalist? Okay, two words, Joita, fact checking. <laughs> so this is I mean, I learned a lot throughout the experience. I mean, just being part of a a bustling albeit digital newsroom and um news organization media organization that was I you know I learned so much but one of my key takeaways was the fact-checking process I just learned so much um it is robust and so I learned from start to finish how to verify facts with you know two, three sources for each fact. And that's the kind of experience that will really stay with me and, and just kind of help me as I, as I continue on like throughout my career. Now, speaking of your career, I'm curious about whether this Walrus Fellowship might have opened up a couple of other opportunities or opened up some other doors for you. What are you doing now? Yeah, I would say um, the training that I got during this fellowship was really invaluable and the experience of working inside because I had freelanced as a journalist for a number of years on and off during my grad school and then afterwards Mm -hmm. but being inside the running of a media organization gave me so many skills and insights that really positively impacted my my next steps and my my understanding of the field as well so that is uh i think one of the most invaluable things about the fellowship and it also gave me confidence in my journalism skills too um i don't know about your background joita but you know it's a common experience with with freelancers that were you know you wonder is this the right path? Is it going Mm -hmm. in the right direction? Um, And it's hard because we're at that point, you know, I was charting my own career. And, and so it gave me a lot of confidence to say, no, I'm in the right place. And this is, and this is what I want to be doing. And these are, so it it was a very positive experience for that as well. And it's definitely Mm -hmm. led to a lot of opportunities for sure. 
Well, look, speaking of confidence boosts, we know that people with disabilities often face barriers in a number of fields. You know, I didn't want to reiterate that conversation, including journalism, but given that you've had such a good experience at the Walrus, what advice would you give, not just people who might be applying for the fellowship, but in general, if there were aspiring journalists, young people with disabilities who wanted to, you know, take the route that you've taken, what advice would you give them? You know, it's actually something that Samia, who is the managing editor at The Walrus, encouraged me and, and, and everyone in the editorial department. And that is to tell the stories that are calling us to tell. So what we're interested in. And it might seem simple, but sometimes as a minority journalist from whatever background or experience, there might be... Um, a certain expectation that we would cover those experiences. And she encouraged me to just sort of say, what do I want to cover? And I, I ended up writing about dogs during the time, and I ended up sort of deciding which areas that I would be interested in covering. And so I would say for people who want to pursue this path, just think about the stories that that you want to cover and and do it, you know, and just keep going for it. Well, Amy, it was a pleasure speaking to you today. And that's a fact. Thank you very much for being on the program. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me, Jovita. It's been really nice chatting with you. That was Amy Lowe, who was the 2020 Walrus Fellow and talked a little bit about her experience at the Walrus and, of course, some really good words of advice for those of you who might be looking to apply this year. The deadline is on Sunday. At midnight. If you missed any of my conversation with Jennifer Hollett or with Amy Lowe, please catch the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Also head on over to ami.ca forward slash on the pulse. I'd like to thank Jennifer Hollett and Amy Lowe for being the guests on the program today. The technical producer for the pulse is Nasreen Abdul Majid. Andy Frank is our manager and Paula Janine, our technical supervisor. Thanks a lot for listening. Stay safe and have a wonderful rest of your day. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.